Hallelujah. You are worthy. Hallelujah. Lord God, we just thank you for your presence in the house this morning. We receive you this morning in all of your glory. God, we believe you're here to do the miraculous. So, Father, first of all, we just give you praise for this glorious body that's assembled to worship you. God, we thank you for accepting the fruit of our lips. Now, God, we ask that you would look upon these human bodies. Touch them, God. Heal them. Deliver them. And God, we thank you for it. Thank you for establishing us in our right mind. Giving us a heart not only to serve, but to love one another. We give you a praise for that. Thank you now for one spirit focused solely on you. And God, as we believe you today, we believe that we will receive whatever we desire today. And we give you praise for it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Mm. You have your Bibles this morning. We're still in Romans chapter 12. And verse 8. Bible says, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And we're trying to round out these gifts this morning, so we're just going to talk to you on this thought. Giving, ruling, and that should release what? Mercy. Amen. You can be seated this morning. <clears throat> First of all, I want to thank all of you for all your prayers during the time that I was just, what's the, first, what's the, uh, the, the appropriate term when you, uh, I was exhausted. <laughs> and I appreciate the fact that y'all love me so much that all the stuff y'all had, you let me just share it with you. Happy by myself, and you say, hey, let me give him a little bit of this right here. <laughs> All's well, though. All's well. Now, uh, let me pick up from last week. Every week, I want to just remind you that everybody has gifts. Everybody doesn't have the same gift, but we all have the same giver of the gifts. 
All the gifts come from God. No matter what you have in terms of your gifting, it came from God. The Bible says that you have, and this is the key, you have the corresponding faith to operate your gift. Okay, you're a little slow on that one. <laughs> if you received a gift, and you did, you received it from God, and you did, then you also receive the faith to operate in your gift. Amen. All right? So that's why you cannot say what you cannot do, because the Bible says we can do. Amen? So we also know... Uh, from what we've talked to you about in the past, that everybody's gift is, is given uh, proportionately. In other words, my gift operates best when I operate. Unlike most uh, combat situations, God loves a moving target. He won't even fire on a steel one because he assumes it's dead. <laughs> so, so when you're up and about doing something, he assumes that you are alive and that you're functioning and therefore he can use you. Now we ended up with giving last week and there's not much we can say about giving that hasn't already been said. Amen. <laughs> but there may be a thing or two. Now, the one thing that we tell you uh, is that uh, that giving, that particular give, meta diomai, uh, it seems to be one of those gifts that is a grace gift for everyone and then a great gift for others. In other words, some people have a special gift of giving. Now, how do you know whether you have it or not? Uh, I think there was a there was a movie or one something. More money, more money, more money. The more money you have, the greater this gift is. Let's try that one more time. <laughs> the more money you have, the greater your gift for giving because God wants people who will give to have more to give. There are plenty of needs in the world, and the only way that those needs can be met is if, is if the people of God meet those needs. So God will then find people who are willing to give, and he gives them more. That's why scripture says, give. Wait a minute. That, is that what it says? Give and it shall be given to you. And it didn't say God would give it to you. So a giver, a, a giver is also a receiver. And he has an anointing for giving and receiving. He has an anointing to receive because people are always given to him. And that way he also has things to give out. Now, once you break the cycle, 
it ends. Okay? And I need you to understand that once, once you stop giving as a giver, then you no longer have the gift of giving. All right. Now, you don't like that. Well, unfortunately, uh, the gift only operates as you operate. And remember, we said you have a proportionate amount of faith to operate your gift. So if it's giving, the Bible says that you, you are qualified by the way you do it. Now, notice what it says in Scripture. It says he who gives, then he, he qualifies it by saying how? Liberally. <clears throat> It's automatic. That's why some people, when they go shopping, they buy one extra just because somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? They go one more because they know somebody might need it. Amen. See, people who are blessed, come on now. People who are blessed want to be a blessing. It's, it's, just, it's just natural. Amen. Now, let me tell you this. Uh, having this gift keeps us from being prideful. That's why the Bible says we give with simplicity. Simplicity. Now, <clears throat> the difference between a simplistic uh, giver and a giver who is deliberate is that the deliberate giver usually wants to give based on their mental state. So they figure what they have, what they can spare. Uh, uh, okay. You all remember Ananias and Sapphira. You all remember the story, Acts chapter 5. Don't have time to go there, but let's just, just remind you real quick. The Bible tells us in that story that uh, they had a piece of property and they sold it for so much, the Bible says, with the intent that they were going to give the proceeds to the church. Okay, let's back up and give you the, you know, the highlights of the story. Number one, the Bible never said they were going to sell all they had. Said they had a piece of property. Not the property they were living on. Don't sell your house. But they had a piece of property and they sold it. And they had a plan as to what they were going to do with the proceeds. And see, when you are a deliberate giver, in the sense that, that you are not a cheerful, hilarious, out of your mind kind of giver, what you do is you plan your giving. Now, you cannot plan your giving and be in the, the spirit of God. Because first of all, he has the plan and you don't. He knows what you have in the bank. Are y'all still with me? So here's Ananias and Sapphira, and the Bible tells us the story that they decided that they were going to keep back a portion of the proceeds. Now, if you remember the story, they could have given any part, all, or none. Because it was theirs to do with as they please. 
but they made a decision that they were going to do it. Okay, uh, here in a couple of weeks, you're going to have to make a decision. Yeah, this is so, so timely. And on that Sunday, you're going to have to decide, are you going to give what you're supposed to, what you want to, or what you think you're able to? Now, there's three choices there, right? Hmm? Which one gets the blessing? See, it's like I, 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 got, I told a story here. Uh, it's about the basketball player, right? One guy shoots, phew, air ball, misses everything. Other guy makes the same shot. That ball hits backboard, hits the rim, spins around, round, and then falls out. Who gets the most points? So what are you trying to say, preacher? <laughs> that if you take the other two options, you don't get a little bit of credit because you tried. You don't get a little more credit because you came close. Okay, what was I talking about? Ananias is the fact. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, it's now time for them to, to actually give. Now, the Bible says they were separated. First one comes along. And Peter says, hey. Can I 21st center, censor this thing up a little bit? Huh? Because I like, I, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of the Godfather. <laughs> so Peter says, and a nice, you got my money? <laughs> and Ananias says, sure. And Peter says, hey, why you lie to me? And of course, you know what the result was. Now, here's what he said to uh, Ananias. He said, you didn't lie to me. <laughs> when you have a plan to give, and it's a plan. Now, when I use the term plan and purpose, don't confuse the two. Everybody should give that way, but I'm talking specifically now. All right, because somebody said, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, no. Because the Bible says, as he is purposed in his heart. Okay, so, so I, know, I, I know my audience. <laughs> Better clear all that up. <laughs> but, but what we understand is, is that when we make a plan to deceive God, actually what we're saying is, we don't want to mess with God, but we're going to mess with the preacher. Because he won't know what I gave. And the truth is, you are exactly right. Nor does he care. And while I'm just here, I just always have to make this disclaimer because people get 
little messed up sometimes. You do understand that everybody has to stand before God for themselves. And that I'm, I'm only responsible for one person. Okay? So you, uh, as, as members who love me dearly, whether you give to me or not does not change my status before God. What I give is what changes my status. You, you, we understand that. Amen? But Ananias dropped dead. Now, I would love to tell you that God doesn't do that anymore. But if I told you that, I'd be lying. The difference is that Ananias and Sapphira both dropped dead physically. What we do is when we uh, alter the reasons that we give, we drop dead spiritually. It takes us longer to die. Amen. We die a long, slow death. Bills we can't pay. Eels we can't cure. Relationships we can't fix. All right. One preacher used to say it this way. If money can fix it, it ain't a problem. Now you, I know you No, Anything you can fix with money ain't a real problem. Problem is when money won't fix it. Okay. All right. Okay, so the end of the story, of course, and, and Ananias, is that uh, if you try to fool God, you make a fool out of you. Amen. All right. <laughs> then the next gift, of course, is the grace of leadership. Now, this is a tricky one, and I say it's tricky because uh, every group has leaders, both formal and informal. The situation is such that... Uh, in the church, there are more informal leaders than there are formal leaders. If you ever notice in church, <clears throat> I probably shouldn't say this because once I tell you, then you'll start paying attention. But you always notice in church that when somebody is an informal leader, the rest of the sheep will look at that person before they nod or agree or even say amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> now it's quiet, right? <laughs> Can I save you? <laughs> no. <clears throat> but informal leaders have no real power. It is perceived power. Perceived power becomes real when followers respond to it. Do y'all understand what I just said? So the Bible says that those who uh, exercise spiritual leadership in the church, whether they're pastors, elders, deacons, or just the plain committee members, they have to be serious about what they do. You can't just wing it. You can't just say something off the top of your head because people who are responding to you will expect you to be telling the truth. Amen. Amen. That's why you can't give a cute answer when it's a serious problem. 
Did everybody understand what I just said? Because sometimes after we make those decisions, you know what we say? Well, I was just teasing. You can't tease when a person is, is looking to you for a decision. Amen. Amen. You have their lives at stake. So you can't become casual or careless, the Bible says, but you should see their abilities as divinely granted gifts and charges from God. Now, what does that mean is that if I look to a leader, and I think I've told you this before, uh, if I, if I call you something, mm, did we talk about this last week? Yes. Okay, good. See, only one person remembers, so I gotta say it again. <laughs> when God gave Adam the responsibility of naming things, he said that whatever he called them, that's what it would be. Then you notice in, uh, in, in the Bible with Abraham, when he needed Abraham to be the father of many nations, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. When he needed uh, 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 Jacob to stop being a liar and a trickster, he changed his name to Israel. He, throughout the Bible, okay, one more from the New Testament. Remember in uh, 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 Matthew 16 when, when Jesus was talking to Peter about being the rock. And he called him Petra. But he called him Petros first. Okay. <laughs> he called him Petros because he was a small pebble. In other words, he was the kind of thing that would be easily moved. You could pick him up and throw him. But then when he made his confession, the Bible says, upon this rock, Petra, this is a stone that can't be moved. Uh, are you following? So when a name is used, there's some things that go with the name. And the biggest thing is the authority. So when we have these gifts and we call a person uh, pastor, apostle, minister, deacon, elder. There is an anointing that goes with the name. When you disrespect the name, then you disrespect the authority that's tied to the name. Now, notice I haven't said anything about the person. Which is what you do. You identify with the person when you should be uh, identifying with the office. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, when, you, when you were in school and you were called to the principal's office, you didn't care what the principal's name was. It was the principal. And it was, being, it was symbolic to you being in trouble. So, some of y'all have been there more than others. <laughs> yeah, I spent a day or two there, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying that when we use these titles, especially in leadership, you have to understand that you pull anointing from the title. Amen. 
if you call me by my government name, you only get my power. If you call me by my God-given name, you get God's power. You understand this? And too, too often what we do is we trivialize the person's God-given name. If a person is in an office or not even holding an office but operating in an office. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? In other words, if you're operating on a certain gift, you don't have to be the, the pastor. You can be in charge of a committee and have the same authority as the pastor. They understand that. So you can't take it lightly when you get a position of authority. But, but the Bible says that you also can't lord it over people. Well, I'm in charge. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Because you're going to be in charge of you. Amen. No, no, seriously. That's the first thing people do is they, they, they let you know now, I've always said this. If you have to tell people you're in charge, you're not. Ah. <laughs> so, so the, <laughs> come on. The Bible says then ruling then is first a gift and then an office. Notice it says here in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 4, it says one who what? Rules his own house, having his children in submission with all reverence. Okay. Do we really want to talk about this one? Yeah. <laughs> are are y'all sure you want to? <laughs> no, because 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 now and I don't I don't have no time today or enough voice. I'm trying to <laughs> I don't have the, the time, the voice, or even the inclination <laughs> to talk to you about your children. Because the Bible says that the first rule of leadership is leading your house. Now, here's what, here's what normally happens. Okay. <laughs> here's what normally happens. None of you, of course, but them other people. What normally happens is that when children get a certain age, we assume that we don't have to tell them and they don't have to listen. And, and, and here's what I say to that. Now, I'm going to make this easy for you because you don't have to be mad with me. You show me the scripture in the Bible where it says that a parent is no longer the parent because the child's a certain age. And when you find that scripture, I'd be willing to submit to that and say, okay. But until then, I think it's the, I hate to use this phrase, but I think it's the Bill Cosby method. I brought you into this world. <laughs> Can you imagine the shock? that would come 
from a 60 or 70 year old mother knocking her 30 year old son. <laughs> she said, Daddy, to get up. Daddy, to get up. I know that doesn't happen, and I was teasing, because don't nobody be calling the police on me. I'm simply saying to you that it says in verse 4 that you got to keep your children in subjection. All right? Then uh, verse 12 says this, says, let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses. Now, I'm going to give you a little secret here because I ain't got, don't want to get into fights today. I'm just trying to live here. <laughs> but, but it mentions children. But you know who the house is, like, right, ladies? Okay, let me, let me read it again. You might not figure it out. Through his own house, having his children in subjection. It says, deacons, husband and one wife, ruling their children and their own houses. Hmm. Wonder who that houses is he's talking about. <laughs> Woo. Now, if you ain't get it, I ain't going to help you with it. Uh, folks say, I have, I have enough troubles of my own. So. <laughs> but let me do a crossover here. How about that? <laughs> From leadership to giving one more time. <laughs> How about 1 Timothy 5.17? It says this, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. Now, <clears throat> Let me tell you what that means. That means if you do a good job with the word and teaching the doctrines of Jesus Christ, that you ought to be rewarded. Amen. 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 The laborer, worthy of his hire. Amen. Amen. But I will tell you right up front, so if everybody who's in the, in the world who's listening... You guys are good. I haven't asked for a raise in 10 years. Y'all haven't given me one either, but I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> no, the reason I haven't asked for one is because I haven't needed one. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So truth is, uh, <laughs> I love this, says Christ's sheep are ill-tended these days. They're scattered upon mountains. And it says that elders that rule well uh, with humble diligence day and night are desperately needed because every believer has the right, here it is, every believer has the right to the consciousness of being personally shepherded by divine raised up leaders. Do you hear what I just said? And cared for even in material things by faithful deacons. Amen. 
What does that mean? That means that if you're a good leader, that no one in church should feel neglected. Everybody in here knows they've got somebody they can call. Amen. Amen. Now, some of y'all, I've heard this, com- I heard this comment. I, I would call it a complaint, but it's a comment. Some of y'all are so well taken care of that you don't want people to call you anymore. No, no, no. That's a good thing. Yeah, y'all are not, you're not paying attention. <laughs> because we have good leaders here, and they, they check on you guys. They check on you guys weekly. And therefore, sometimes you say, well, I'm okay, I'm okay. And that's what we want to hear. Yes, yes. Yeah, that last one. <laughs> now, yeah, now, listen, I'm speaking truth. I know you're doing okay because I get reports every month. <laughs> 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 Whew, I had to catch my breath on that. <laughs> no, seriously though, you should feel connected. And if you don't feel connected, Somebody's not doing their job. It has to be a connection. I need to know that uh, I didn't fall off the bed and lay here on the floor and nobody knew where I was. See, we are each other's life, was it life alert, life, whatever that thing is. I've fallen and you ain't come by. All right, lastly, come on, I'm about through here. (laughs) The Bible talks about mercy with cheer. I call it mercy with cheer. But it means showing mercy. And the Bible says, let him do it cheerfully. That's what he says. If you're going to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the easiest one to teach you simply because, let me tell you, uh, doesn't matter how bad I'm feeling. I will only feel better if you look better. Okay, let me try it because you didn't get it over there. Doesn't matter how bad I'm feeling. I'm only going to feel better if you look better. When you show up to see me, don't look like you're looking down at the coffin that you're viewing. <laughs> I want you to look at me like we're going to be up and about talking, you know. <laughs> we're laughing, but here, listen, people, we talked about this yesterday, people put on their church face. Don't come see me with your church face. I don't want to see that. Hmm? 
I want you to come to me with your chicken eating face with the bone hanging out your mouth. That's the face I can identify. I can't, but you know. Pastor? I'm going to feel better automatically. You, you understand? But when you walk into my room, I'm at the hospital, and here you come walking in shaking your head. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And I know Christians are stiff people. But laughter is like a medicine. We need to learn how to do more of that. You got to have the joy of the Lord down in your heart. <laughs> and even if things are that bad, they don't have to look that bad because we still got Jesus. Hallelujah. Act like we forgot who he was. Amen. <laughs> so the Bible says this. It says, showing mercy is the duty of those to whom God has shown mercy to. If you've never had anyone to show you the mercy of God, you don't know how to show it to anybody else. Hmm? Now, every now and then, we all go through something where we need somebody to help us. And that's how we learn to be helpful. Amen. But if we are so independent, you know, one of the biggest, I think, lies that's going to keep people out of heaven is, is this lie right here. I'm okay. <laughs> you know, you all mangled up, leg hanging off. And <laughs> I, I'm okay. I'm okay. No, you're not okay. We're going to make it okay, but you're not okay. Don't give the devil any place. <laughs> All right. The joyfulness of the spirit, which is in us, helps one another. And it's often more a real blessing than the help itself. The joy of the Lord coming on your countenance and your face helps more than any word that you speak. If I come to see you and I don't have any kind of joke to tell you, we know we're having a bad day. I'm thinking to myself, one of us is going to leave here. So. <laughs> Stop. So the church then, <laughs> I get myself together. 
The church, I'm bringing it together now. The church then uses all of these gifts, the prophecy, the ministry, the, uh, what we have, the giving, the uh, encouraging. I, I, you know what I'm talking about. When you put them all together, we're, we're talking about diverse gifts that unify the body of Christ and make one whole unit. The church does not exist without these gifts. Now, what I want to tell you is this, and I was trying to get through these because I was running out of time and I, I want to get someplace next week that, that hopefully will tie all this together. I want to show you the similarity between what Paul writes here in Romans chapter 12 about the gifts. Now notice in verse 12, uh, verse 6 of, of Romans chapter 12, he says, having gifts differing, okay, then, then once because, because we look at all the uh, uh, different gifts, Says we make one whole unit. Then when we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul then goes through the same list, actually a more extensive list of gifts. And he tells each one of those, uh, tells us in each one of those what the gifts are to do in the church. The difference here is that uh, in Romans chapter 12, when Paul talks about it, he says that, uh, by the grace given to us, God has given us these gifts. When Paul writes the same, uh, I say the same letter, when he writes the same information in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what he says is, is that, and God has, or Christ has, he has given, he has set, he has done. Now, what happens is that at the end of verse 12, uh, excuse me, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul ends with the uh, gift of tongues. Y'all remember that? Now here in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, he just ends with the list of gifts. But verse 9 and Romans chapter uh, 12, verse 9, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13 both pick up the same way. When he finishes the gifts, mm -hmm. he talks about love. Amen. 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 Verse 9 says in Romans chapter 12, let love be without hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now in 1 Corinthians, he was a little more direct. He went a whole chapter to talk about love. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> because if there is no love, and that's what we're going to talk about next week, if there is no love, then everything that we've talked about is just Amen. smoke and mirrors. Amen. The reason that church, we mentioned this yesterday, the reason that church is not growing is because people are still doing smoke and mirrors and not doing love. In order to have a relationship with you, I have to know you. And if I don't know you, listen, I will never know you if I don't know the real you inside of you. That the Christ that's in you that is empowering you 
to do what you do. If I don't know why you do what you do, I will never be able to comprehend with you. And the Bible says that we have to be able to comprehend with all saints. So I have to, I have, to have that relationship that's based on love in order to be able to coexist with you peacefully. Are you following me? So what we have to do is we have to learn, and, and this is why I said yesterday, the one reason that people leave church, the one reason, I don't care about all the ones they write about. There's only one reason. People are immature. I want my way. I don't like this. I don't want that. I don't like you. I don't like you. And some of them have gone so far as to say, I don't like none of y'all. So we know who the person is that has the problem. Now, in case you don't know who that is, go to the mirror. But here's the situation now. You need to know, you need to know that that's the person you got to reach. So y'all can reach each other. But can you reach that one that says, I don't like none of y'all. All church folk are hypocrites. Y'all all liars and cheats. You're just phony. You're just fake. And my simple, my simple question to you is this. Is there some organization you belong to that's not like that? Hmm? The one thing we know for sure, the one thing we are certain about, there's no doubt in my mind, I know this about you. We all sinners. We are saved by grace and in some phase of transition. I know this. Why would I change for another group? Because I know you guys. So now I got to go over here to this other church and find out what all their besetting sins are. And I got to find out all their evil ways and all of that. Because it's all there. So why not just, why not? <laughs> Let me give you this. I'm, I'm going to close with this. I read this article. This guy was saying he he gave all the the uh, reasons why you should not go to church. He says you should not follow the church. You should follow Christ. <sighs> One of the first reasons he gave is that Christ didn't go to church. Now that tells you a little something about him. But here's what he said at the end. Here's what he said at the end. This is an educated man, has a doctorate, very educated man, teaches in a seminary. Now wait, 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 now wait, this is what he said. 
He said at the end, and I won't call his name, he said this. He said, everybody should have a group that they're intimate with, but not the church. And what it boils down to, bottom line is this. He said you should come together so that you could share your thoughts. Oh, I love this group. <laughs> and he said, you get to learn one another. Hmm? Great, great. Well, I already know you're a rebel. You already know I'm a rebel because you quit and I quit. Hmm? Now, he ended it by saying that these groups should have routine fellowship. I said, doggone, that's a church, ain't it? <laughs> so he said, I left church so I could form a church. But I want the church without a pastor and no offering. Perfect church for heathens. Now, here's what I say to you. There are a lot of churches out here that would love to have the opportunity that I'm about to give you. Because a lot of you feel like you've been hurt. Your church experience was not what it should have been. So it's my job to say to you, I'm sorry. I from the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry you got hurt in church. Particularly if you were hurt in this church. I, I, I'm just as sorry as I can be. But I can tell you that it was no intent implied. We would never knowingly hurt anyone. I'm not canceling the apology. I'm just saying there's a but. Here's something you need to write down in your notes. And I know you don't like to write notes because you've got all this stuff. Put it in your phone, whatever. Matter of fact, you ought to put it in your, your daily reminders. Truth hurts. Truth hurts. So if you've had an experience in church where you got hurt, you sure found a good church. Because <laughs> one thing we're going to tell you, you don't like it, but it's still the truth. And the only thing that will make you free Is the truth. No, you can't say that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't go there. You can't drink that and you certainly can't smoke that. No, no, no. Hmm? And we ain't gonna talk about Bubba and Sister Girl. I'm just saying. 
Okay? So when people say, well, I was hurt in church, you didn't stay long enough for your healing. So when you go to the hospital and the surgeon cuts you open, you come back to life and you say, oh, I'm hurt. I'm leaving. Is that, is that what happens? But you'll, you'll stay in the hospital until they tell you you're able to go home. And you won't stay here long enough for us to tell you you're able to go home. Now, our recovery period here is going to be, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. But you'll be able to be you'll be able to go home. You'll be, be, you'll, you'll be able to go home. You didn't get you, you'll be able to go home. Stand up on your feet. <laughs> All right, I'm going to I'm going to pray, but I, I want to I call this our church anthem. The people of God. I love this song. All right, family, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. The same opportunity that folks in the sanctuary are receiving right now. Um, if you have not yet accepted Christ as your personal savior, I want to extend that opportunity to you now. It's as simple as ABC. First, admit that you're a sinner. Secondly, believe Christ died for your sins. And thirdly, confess that he is Lord over your life. It is just that simple. It is the single greatest decision you will ever make in your life. Or maybe you have committed and you uh, strayed or backslid. This is your opportunity to recommit. Okay, I want to take this moment to pray with you and have you repeat after me this prayer because I'm believing in faith that you're praying with me and that we're having some souls come to Christ today. All right. So join me in this prayer. All right. Repeat after me. Say, Father, forgive me a sinner. I have fallen short and I have missed the mark. But I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. I thank you that he rose up from the grave just for me. And Father, I thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And now I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my master. And I will forever serve you. So now I confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart that when Jesus was raised from the dead, I am saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so, so excited for you. Not only are we so excited for you, we are so proud of you because you have made an awesome decision this morning. You have chosen to accept Christ as your savior. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the kingdom family. The angels in heaven are rejoicing on your behalf. They are throwing a block party in your honor because another kingdom citizen has come home. We are so excited for you. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with us today, if you was do, do us a favor, text the word saved to the number here, 252-627-9900. Text the word saved to that number. We don't want to spam you, but we do want to connect with you. We want to share a devotional with you that'll help lay a foundation to start this, this faith journey. And we want to pray with you and help solidify this faith journey. It's not meant to be walked alone. So listen, if you, if you prayed this 
morning, I want you to text this number SAVED to 252-627-9900 so we can connect with you, we can pray with you, um, we can help guide you on this path. Listen, we, we just want to be family to you. That's all. We just want to connect with you. We don't want to bug you. We don't want to worry you to death. Um, we just want to be family. That's it. Family wants to communicate with family. This journey was not meant to walk alone. Um, and we're here for you. We're here to support you in, in, in every aspect of this newfound faith. All right. We're excited for you. And we just want to share in that with you. If you're in the New Bern area, come check us out. Downtown New Bern. If you're not in the New Bern area, let us know. We'll help you find a church in your area. The whole thing is you need to be connected with local community. Being connected with somebody digitally is one thing, but having a tangible person that you can talk to face to face is something completely different. And listen, even if you are in the New Bern area and you come to us and it's like, meh, this ain't for me, um, well, that's okay. We'll help you find another ministry that suits the needs. Listen, there is a ministry for everyone out there, okay? We're not trying to grow Dayspring. We're trying to grow the, the church, the body of Christ. That's all, that's all, that's all. We are not out to recruit members, okay? But listen, if you do wanna join, we're happy to have you, okay? All right, guys, I need to wrap this up and get out of here. My time has run out for today, but thank you again for joining us. We pray that you got something out of this, something you would take with you and chew on throughout the week. And we can't wait to meet you right here again on uh, Tuesday for our Bible study. But until then, y'all have an amazing week. And just in case your week is not so amazing, make sure it has an amazing you in it. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next time.